Well, you're going to want to turn to the beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2. That's where we will be. And as we venture into other texts this morning, we're going to be coming back to Genesis. So you may want to have a bookmark or a finger or something to be able to keep your place. My message this morning is going to be a bit of a detour. The title created by him and for him. I mentioned a few times that we may take a detour from the Gospel of John. We have gone through 14 chapters together, verse by verse, and also taking various theological sidebars and stopping for some side road observations. A detour takes us off a certain road, but ultimately brings us back to that same road, does it not? So we will be returning to John chapter 15 at some point, Lord willing, and we will work our way again through the rest of that gospel. But for now, we need to go back to the beginning. We need to uh, go back to um, the creation of man, at least briefly, and look at this this morning. Why? Why is that? Well, there's a term called clown world. Maybe you've heard it before. Um, Perhaps when I say that, you know what I mean. When you consider things as organizations or um, businesses that would have the woman of the year and It would be a great thing, celebrating a a woman of the year who would do something great for the organization, great for the company, great for the business. But if that woman is a man and wins woman of the year, we say, Houston, we've got a problem here. Certain events we have been through in our nation over the last few years, we'll say since... COVID. Remember that? We were reminded, Brother Aaron mentioned that. He asked, do you remember COVID? And Many of us do in many ways. Um, certain events that, that have happened, and you are very wise over the last few years if you keep receipts. You know, if you buy something from the store, you keep the receipt, or you ought to in case you want to turn it back in. Return it because of, for whatever reason. Keeping receipts is important. I don't want to bring on any PTSD this morning, but you may have a flashback or two as I explain it by way of introduction. You remember how some of us felt in this two weeks to flatten the curve? This is not about that, but I'm just bringing your mind to a place where we were. And now the dust has settled in many ways. The damage has been done, but the dust has settled. We recall mask mandates. We recall give your phone number to the server at a restaurant. We recall walking into the restaurant wearing a mask, but you could take it off of the table. I recall walking into the gym, wear your mask as you go into the gym. As soon as you get past the check-in station or what called, you can take your mask off. We remember things like this. 
We have receipts. I remember some of you would have to receive a certain treatment in order to keep your job. And you weren't even in the medical field. I counseled some of you, walked with some of you on this. And one to two years or so later, I wonder what your employers are thinking now. Are they so dogmatic now as the dust has settled in many ways? As all of these things, we have learned a little bit, hopefully. And then there was the TP shortage. We remember that. A real thing. We can recall that. Interesting. Added some humor to our situation. Or the BLM movement. Forcing people to repeat a chant. The BLM movement, which stood opposed to a Christian worldview on many levels, from their own mission statement. And as that position, as that movement promoted lawlessness and anarchy, and the removal of monuments, police stations burned, violence in the streets, many pastors cowered at condemning it. Hashtag defund the police. Do you remember that? Lawlessness, unchristian activity, violence under a banner of what is called BLM. Some signs are still up. But the dust has settled, has it not? In many ways. We've learned. We've investigated. We've looked at mission statements. We looked at what do folks really believe in certain ways, certain things. I can mention all of this to you now, and we remember these things. We have receipts. Dust has settled as we wait to see in our society, what will happen next. So now we get to where we are. March 2022, Supreme Court confirmation. Supreme Court has nine justices, one lifetime appointments, one dies or steps down. There needs to be a confirmation hearing. And we've all seen some of those. Going back to Clarence Thomas, and what that man went through. We have receipts of that too. But March 2022, an Ivy League graduate, the dust has settled. It's over a year later. An Ivy League graduate, the highest court in the United States of America, confirmation hearing. Judge Brown Jackson was asked, Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Answer, I am not a biologist. So that's the the judicial branch in our nation. Not representative, but present. Six months ago, President Joe Biden was interviewed by a man named Dylan Mulvaney who dresses like a woman who's a trans activist, and the president said, I feel very, very 
strongly that you should have every solitary right, including use of your gender identity, bathrooms, and public. He said, President Biden said, the trans part is not immoral. What they are trying to do with trans persons is immoral. Close quote. We have receipts. We can hear the interview. March 30th, 2023, President Biden issued a proclamation of Transgender Day of Visibility. Quote, transgender Americans shape our nation's soul, he says. Highest office in the United States of America. It seems from the perspective of individuals in these high offices that a worldview of gender that differs from what a, the Bible teaches is here to stay. The dust may not settle, and I am not going to wait for the dust to settle on this issue. As we consider Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Father, I ask for your help this morning. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded, O oh God, of how you created us. You created man in the image of God, in your image. Male and female, you created humans. God, please help me as I would bring forth these words this morning. There is nothing in myself that brings anything to this pulpit. I need you. I am nothing without you, O God. Let your Holy Spirit be upon me, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Man created by God, our first point this morning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, us, plurality, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, or artistic depiction, according to our likeness, or appearance, and pattern. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Two phrases that stand out, that are repeated. God created man, and in the image of God, or in our image, the, the, the triune God, he created man. We find quite a difference from the rest of God's creation when it comes to as he created man. We find words uh, such in Genesis 1, such as, let there be, over and over, let there be this creation, let there be this, over and over. But then when we get to verse 26, everything changes. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. The plural use, God saying, our image, our likeness. God created, designed humans to resemble him for his glory. The words are intentional. In our image and likeness. Man created in God's image will express who God is more than any other aspect of God's creation. Man represents what God is like more than any other 
aspect of creation. The heavens, as Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens are, de- are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Yet only man is created in the image of God. We share something with God that he has given us that is profoundly different than animals. When you walk around later on today or when you go about your week, you walk, you pass people, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer, image bearer. There is someone created in the image of God and there's another one created in the image of God. Man created in the image of God. Humans have knowledge, have a will, have emotions, and have feelings. Animals do not, at least not in the way that humans do. Humans have personality. Animals have some personality, depending on the breed or the type of animal. I always say all pugs have personality. All cats have terrible personalities. getting to my friends with cats. I want you to get too offended by that. Nevertheless, truth hurts. <laughs> kidding once again. But they cannot, animals cannot reason and they cannot connect the dots as we do. Right? They do not create new things that are, that are outside their sphere of what they are, what they are given by God to do. Like nests, dams, burrows, whatever it may be. Animals do not love as we do. They do not worship as we do. Yet, some of you may think that your pets do worship you, in fact. Or some of you, a certain breed of animals, may, your pets may think that um, you worship them. And as a side note is where we are as society. I mean, I love I love pets. I've had pets. And that doesn't mean come after me after church and say, you really need a pet. I don't. I've had pets. I love pets. But some people take loving their pets and having pets a little too far as far as treating them like humans and strollers and different things. They're animals, not people. And I love animals with the exception. Well, some exceptions. One Exception in particular is this bird that is outside of my home when I try to study. And she yells, Harry, Harry, Harry. And I just want to open the window and say, Harry's dead. Stop. And you're going to meet the same fate if you don't be quiet. Same thing over and over and over again, calling for this Harry. I even recorded it, trying to study here. They are animals, though, not people. Some hold the vernacular that their pets may go to heaven. I've gone over that before. We know that none of your pets will go, if there is indeed the case. Are pets going to heaven? Maybe so. I don't know. But man created by God on the sixth day, created in the image of God, not like animals, not like celestial bodies, Listen to Owen Strawn from his book, Enchanting Humanity. He says, uh, he is made by God, uh, man, made by God to display God to the world God has formed. To look at man is to confront, however distantly, the Almighty. God made us 
He ordains every day that comes for us. Psalm 139, familiar psalm for us. Invite you to turn there. Keep your finger in Genesis. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. We're just going to see a contrast with what the Bible says and what the world says many, pla- many times, many places. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Consider how God refers to uh, the unborn child here. How he refers to the one in the womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as as yet there was not one of them. The days ordained before we were even walking around, before we were even in the womb. We consider how God refers to, to one in the womb here. Look at this. He wove me, mother's womb, fearfully, wonderful, wonderfully made. And consider how the world would refer to one in the womb many times. Clump of cells, tissues, embryo, even fetus. But the word of God is clear. Created in the image of God. Charles Darwin and his ilk disagree. For him and others like him, mankind has no purpose. Cosmic accidents, no code of ethics or morality, or so they profess. Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 18 and 32 has very much to say on this. And Lord willing, we will look at that once again at some point. Man suppresses the truth in their unrighteousness exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. We consider this as the anger of God and the, the various perspectives of who God is, and there really is no such thing as an atheist, as Romans 1 would teach us, as Proverbs 14.1 says, that one who says that is a fool. It reminds me of the young man when we were out witnessing recently, who he and his lady friend decided to mock those of us who are witnessing, who decided to take it even a step further and go into the bookstore, spend money to buy a Bible, come out of there. Young, young man, probably in his early 20s, come out there, stand before us, hold the Bible, and proceed to rip it page by page by page. I won't tell you what his friend did. But there was a man who had hatred in his heart. There was a man trying to to get a rouse out of people by tearing up the Word of God right before us. He knows God exists. He's suppressing the truth in his unrighteousness. 
He knows it so much, it bothers him that he had to rip up the Bible. Man created by God. Secondly, man created for God. Created in his image involves certain aspects, such as morality. Adam and Eve were not autonomous. They were responsible to obey what God commanded them as his image bearers. As Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 tells us, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. And as a result of the fall of man, we have moved from, as Augustine puts it, we have moved from able not to sin to not able not to sin. We've moved from able not to sin to not able not to sin. And secondly, as image bearers, For believers, our sanctification describes us as being renewed constantly and consistently, being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, Colossians chapter 3. Being renewed into Christ's image, not the first Adam, but the last Adam. And Romans 8, verse 29, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to become conformed to the image of a son. There we see it once again. Therein lies some hope for us. And also, as we consider Adam created, go to Romans chapter 2 as well. Adam created by God in the garden. Romans chapter 2. I want to speak a little bit on the law written on the heart. As you turn there, I'll read from the London Baptist Confession. I'll read this quickly. When God created man, they had have the law written of God written on their hearts and the power to fulfill it. Even so, they could still transgress the law because they were left to the liberty of their own will, which was subject to change. Speaking of the garden. In addition to the law written within their hearts, they received the command not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As long as they obeyed this command, they were happy in their communion with God and had dominion over their creatures. Well, Adam had the law of God written in his heart so that he would know good from evil, right from wrong. Often this is referred to as the law of creation or the law of nature by theologians. Every human created by God thereafter after Adam fell, also has the law written in their heart. It is engraved on our natural constitution. Romans 2, verse 14, 15. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. So Paul says the law is written in in the heart, or the work of the law is written on the heart. Daniel Doriani helps us with a, a summary here. 
the, the prophets connected this to renewal by the Spirit. We see that when one is converted as well. The law is fully written on the hearts of believers, but, he says, there is an echo in unbelievers, since their conscience bears witness to God's will. Uh, it was Ernie Reisinger who said, well, the moral law written on Adam's heart at creation, after the fall, this law defaced, but not completely erased. And he gives this illustration. I've, I thought it was helpful. As with a wheat field after harvest, you can still recognize what crop was there. All men, the work of the law written in their heart, have a conscience as well. And as Calvin said, a sense of divinity is by nature engraven on human hearts. God has made his existence evident, his existence evident to all men. Yet men without Christ suppress their truth in their own unrighteousness. Also, considering man created for God, being made in God's image also involves a spiritual connection, as we know. As us who are Christians, we know that we have with God that no other created being can have nor enjoy as we do. Nor can the unbeliever enjoy by any way, shape, or form as we do as Christians. For we have communion with the one true God. We were created to worship God. We were created for God to have communion with God in a way that no one else may have because we are created in His image. Or no other creatures can have like we have because we humans are created in his image and genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 28 informs us that as image bearers we were to or adam and eve was to to rule over and subdue other aspects of creation their created order it wasn't supposed to be animals and such over humans as many ways we see today no adam rule over subdue the aspects of creation. In a nutshell, as, as image bearers, we are God's representatives. We are thus to represent God and reflect who he is. Thirdly, man created by God, male and female. Saying that is a very controversial statement today, but it is true and it is what the word of God says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created him. Chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 21 through 23. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on the, upon the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. God creates human beings in his image, different than any other creature he created, and that fact cannot be changed. God created, creates human beings, male or female, he creates them. That is fact, and that cannot be changed. There are only two genders. Men are not women, and women are not men. Remember the phrase, 
bringing you, bringing you back to some, some uh, PTSD here for a moment. Remember the phrase, trust the science or trust the experts. Where I remember in public school when I was a kid, evolution-based science books and uh, anatomy books that were very clear with very clear pictures, and they weren't even creation-based, of, wow, that's what a reproductive organ looks like, and wow, that's what a reproductive organ looks like of the opposite gender. It was clear. Trust the science except when it has to do with biology and anatomy. Healthline.com. 68 different terms of, of gender identity. Bigender, identifying with two distinct genders. Multigender. Trans is gender identity that's different from the gender or sex assigned at birth. And there are many others I can't, I can't even read. I, wouldn't even, I don't even want to read, much less mention them to you. Now, a side note on this, as we consider transgender, as I open that box this morning and leave it open, some of us have people we love and care about that are going through some type of gender issue. We understand that. What do we do? We love them biblically, as the Bible tells us to love them, biblically speaking. We witness to them but we do not affirm what is not true. I went on a field trip recently. Local department store. <clears throat> Whole section of clothing was there. For whoever you want to be, whatever gender, starting with the little onesies. On the little onesies. Just be you and feel the love. Various sizes of mannequins, some adult size, some children's size, all dressed in different outfits that they should not be wearing. I had to see it from my own eyes. Entire shelf of explicit, immoral material on sexuality and trans concerns in your local library in a teen section seen it with my own eyes. Drag shows for children all across the country. Men dressed as women in front of children and people cheering it on. What is all of this? These are groomers and they're grooming children. That's exactly what it is. It is not covert agenda. It is overt. It is out in the open. And it may cost me to say such things, but so be it. It is true. Men competing and winning in women's sports. Swimming and cycling and powerlifting and track and field. On the college level, on the high school level. And I'm re I've always wanted a time when we could stand with feminists and say we agree on something those in political office that are feminists, and say, wow, we can all stand together and, and stand for women's rights on such an issue like this. Wow, we can lock arms. And, but they're not saying anything. At least what I've seen. Standing up for women who are being dominated by men dressed as women. 
And there's way more. And you can't keep up. Some even say that men can get pregnant. Men dressed as women in the highest office of our land. Rachel Levine, four-star admiral. Highest ranking, openly transgender individual. So we must ask the question, what is the target of all of this? What is the reason for all of this? Why is all of this happening? Associated Press... Concord, New Hampshire, a bill that would have required school officials to disclose to inquiring parents that their child is using different name or being referred to as being a different gender was defeated Thursday in the New Hampshire House. Stay informed. Stay watchful. Recently, I received an invite from New England Pastoral Institute to listen to Paula Stone Williams, who's lived as a man and as a woman, Reverend Paula Stone Williams. This was an invitation by New England Pastoral Institute. I declined to go. Man created by God, male and female. I often reference James Montgomery Boyce, a tremendous scholar who went to be with the Lord in the year 2000, 23 years ago. He said something that seems to be prophetic. He said this, One of the saddest things in the universe is a man who tries to be a woman or a woman who tries to be a man. But who is superior, someone asks. And James Boyce answers, A man is absolutely superior to a woman at being a man. And a woman is absolutely superior to a man at being a woman. But let a woman try to be a man or a man try to be a woman and you have a monstrosity. And he's absolutely right. Indeed, a monster has been created, not by God, but by depraved man. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Remember, God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So what happened? How did we get to where we are? Well, there are a lot of details along the way, are there not? But it started with the fall of man. Our fourth point, man's consequential fall. Man's consequential fall. So far, for the most part, as we've been considering... Man created in the image of God. Man as he was intended to be before the fall. And will eventually become what he is supposed to be in Christ by the way of glorification. But the image has been marred by sin. Man is a fallen being. Every aspect of man. God gave Adam the first man who he created upright. A righteous law to obey. The Lord God commanded the man, once again, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you shall eat, you will surely die. Life if you keep it, death if you break it. 
London Baptist, again, explains and summarizes what took place next. Satan used the craftiness of the serpent to seduce Eve, who then seduced Adam. Adam acted without any outside compulsion and deliberately transgressed the law of the creation and the command given to them by eating the forbidden fruit. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from the tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the, tr- from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Continue on to verse 13. Then the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. We see the blame shifting galore. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us, Paul says, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. A good caution for us to consider. So it was Adam who sinned brazenly and deliberately against God. If we consider how prominent the sin of idolatry was in the Old Testament as we study through that, and we've studied that in Sunday school, and also in the New Testament, it would be somewhat austere for it not to be present in Adam and in his heart as well as in Eve's. I find G.K. Beale's argument on this very compelling. In his book, We Become What We Worship, he says, When Adam stopped being committed to God and reflecting his image, he revered something else in place of God and resembled his new object of worship. And we apply that to what's going on today with this whole, with gender concerns and all of that. When Adam stopped being committed to God and reflecting his image, he revered something else in place of God and resembled his new object of worship. Close quote. Adam was to reflect the character of God, his likeness, his image. Yet as we learn from Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned and did not reflect the image of God as they were intended to, as they were supposed to. Idol worship is revering or worshiping anything or anyone other than God. Adam's reverence and allegiance shifted from being towards God 
towards himself and also towards Satan. After all, Adam began to act like the serpent, did he not? He deceptively deceptively tried to blame Eve for his own sin. Adam's trust shifted from trusting God to trusting the serpent in some ways. Thus, no longer reflecting the image of God as intended, but rather reflecting more of the serpent's image. Go to chapter 5 of Romans, if you would, please. Chapter 5 of Romans. We're going to look at verse 12 through 19 in a moment. As Adam's focus shifted, Eve's focus shifted as well and changed. And she deceptively tried to shift blame from herself to to the serpent. Remember what we just read? When we consider Adam's sin, and as it relates to where we are in 2023, there is an element, for sure, of self-worship. Adam made the decision that he knew what was better for him than God did. And as G.K. Beale would explain further, he wanted to advance himself at all costs, and that he trusted in himself a created man instead of the creator. End quote. So if we want to understand the whys of the perversion today that is overwhelming our society in many ways, we look back to the garden. Now let me make a a caveat to this or a side note to this, however we want to call it, and talk about what we we consider mental health for a a moment. Now... When I worked as a hospice social worker, oftentimes there were different diagnoses. We call them comorbidities. Someone would have CHF or congestive heart failure and would also have COPD. And let's say COPD, what was going to be their demise, according to what the doctor said. But there was a comorbidity. There was something else that they were dealing with, which was CHF, congestive heart failure, or whatever it may be. Now, when we, as we hear more and more about mental health and mental health, mental health. I'm not saying we discount that completely. I'm saying we look back to what the Scripture teaches first and foremost. If people can be helped in some ways, excellent, but it's not going to deal with their sin as only the gospel can. And what we have here primarily as the root cause of all of this that we see in our society today is sin. And we have to treat it with what God has given us, and that is the Scriptures, specifically the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we want to understand the whys of the perversion today, we look at man's heart We look at the garden, sin, idolatry, worship of self rather than of God. And and we consider that man's heart and, and man's depravity abound in our society today. But we also remember the serpent or Satan slithering through all the details as well. He is there slithering through all the details of everything we see that is going on. 
that is evil and wicked in our society. So we have man's consequential fall and consequences and condemnation of Adam's fall. Several consequences of his fall. He died instantly. Adam, when he fell, he died instantly. Not he just fell over and died, like we would, we would say. But the consequences of his sin were immediate. He ate. He could not uneat. He could not put the fruit back and say, okay, sorry about that. No, it was done. It was done. He could not go back. Instantly. He also died what is called forensically or judicially. He was now condemned. He could not remove the sentence. No man-made solution was possible for him to help him. His sin, what, was, what all sin is, transgression of the law. Thirdly, he died spiritually. He was now fully, completely polluted by sin. The whole of his person would now suffer the effects of the fall. He also died physically, meaning all that he was created to accomplish and to conquer physically would now be compromised by his sin. And all of the human race suffer these consequences as well, but the one man, Christ Jesus. Adam's sin was real, and the consequences are real. Romans 5, 17, transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Transgression of Adam, death reigned through him. Verse 18, through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Verse 19, through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And Adam and Eve's descendants, that is, everyone born after them, are conceived in sin, born in sin, and by nature are children of wrath. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But that's not the end of the story, is it? That wasn't the end of the story for Adam and Eve, and it's not for us either. Fifthly, man's only solution. Man's only solution. God provided a way for Adam and Eve. Genesis 3. We'll be back to Romans. <clears throat> God provided a way. Notice Genesis chapter 3. find it now. We already read the reaction in chapter 3, verse 6 through 10. <clears throat> as God provides a way for them, he provide, provides a way for us as well. Well, Adam and Eve, when they realized they were naked, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. Right? Outward acts of religion without Christ are nothing but fig leaves. 
those who try to go to heaven on their own good works, or those who say, I'm a good person, those are all fig leaves. They will do nothing for you. Adam and Eve try to cover up themselves with their own things. Just fig leaves. But God provided a way. He provided a sacrifice for them. Chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now the text does not say here what kind of animal God slaughtered to obtain their skins. It would make sense that it was a lamb because this sacrifice from God, this covering from God is meant to point to the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sin of the world, the once for all God-given sacrifice for sinners, as we are then clothed in his righteousness. In order for Adam and Eve to be properly clothed, someone or something had to die. Hebrews 9.22 tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So there's really two religions. Covering by Christ's death, which is God's way, or man's way by covering with fig leaves the works of man. Those who seek to cover with fig leaves their sins and not come to Christ will end up in judgment, will end up in hell for eternity. But those who are covered by Christ's death, by His blood, who have come to Christ, eternity with the Savior. I mentioned Romans 5, and the, the death from Adam, death reigned through, through the one, and the condemnation because of one transgression, and disobedience, because of the one. All were made sinners. Well, there's the flip side to that, is there not? There's a flip side to death, condemnation, and disobedience. The flip side to death is those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through the life of the one, Jesus Christ. Although the one transgression resulted in condemnation to all men, the one act of righteousness that resulted justification of life to all men Christ dying for sinners. One man's disobedience, many were made sinners. The obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. That is our hope, our only hope alone in Christ, by his grace and for his glory. So what do we do with the perversity in our culture today. What do we do? Well, Matthew chapter 28 has an answer for us. Verse 18 through 20. When we are wondering, well, what are we going to do about this? It's just getting worse. And what are we going to do when we see all of this happening? How do we help people involved in, in all of this that are looking for help, that are looking for answers? What do we say to them? Don't we provide what the world is saying and and do this and that? No, the scripture has not changed. The answer has not changed. We see it in Matthew 28, verse 18. What do we do? We do what Jesus says we are to do. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age, teaching those everything the Scripture has to say from the beginning until the end. The answer is still the Great Commission. The answer is still that men need to be born again. The answer is still that Christ is returning for his bride. Man created by God, man created for God, man created male and female, God created them. Man's consequential fall and man's only solution in Jesus Christ alone. And what do we do? We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you that we do not have to rely on any tricks or schemes of man to help people, to provide the answers. We just have to go to your word and we see what we must say and how we must live and what we must do. And ultimately, we leave the results up to you. God, and as we see, many people are hurting, especially children as they go through all of this deception and harm that is being caused today. Lord, people that we know, perhaps, people that you have given us the ability to speak to, perhaps, or a relationship with, to where we can pray for, and we can seek to try to help with the only solution that there is, and that's the gospel of Christ. Give us wisdom to be able to minister to them. Let us be wise in doing so. Let us be uh, loving according to your word. Let us be helpful, not hurtful. God, but we must stand on your word. We know what the answers are. We just need to believe them and live by them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.